0: Welcome in, everyone. I want to welcome you to the Sunday Recap. This is Chris McLaughlin here with Mitch Green and Ariel Eldridge. Good morning, you guys. How are you?
1: Good morning.
2: Good morning. <laughs> it's like a blast from the past. It
0: totally is. It totally is. We're, we're actually doing this, uh, recording this from our homes this morning just because of the snowstorm that we had last night. Um, we got a good, at least where I am, we got a good eight or nine inches of snow. How about you guys?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm down in the sticks, and we are probably sitting at like 9, 10.
0: Okay.
1: That's kind of what I was thinking, Chris. I was thinking 8 or 9, maybe 10-ish. I I made the mistake yesterday. I was on the call with uh, one of my professors who actually taught the Revelation course I was in, but I'm in a new course with him. And, um, I kept saying "snow apocalypse," and I realized how that was probably, um, I realized how that was probably offensive to, to him in some way. And I didn't think about it until I got off the call and I was like, I said apocalypse' probably four or five times to this guy who spent this whole life studying Revelation. He's studying the
0: apocalypse. Nice. Yeah, so.
1: <laughs> That's awesome.
0: No, actually my wife was so excited about it. She was, uh, actually praying that we'd have a really good snow this year and she had several friends that are praying against her on this (laughs) and so so she was so excited she went outside and she measured it this morning and she's like there's nine inches we're like okay okay Mm -hmm. cool
2: (laughs) she is she is christmas to the core yes
0: absolutely absolutely
2: which that's sweet
0: well, this week we just want to let you know that you can still jump into some of our classes that we're offering to you guys. Uh, we have a couple great classes that are starting, that actually started uh, this last Tuesday, and uh, that's our Story of Scripture class and basic apologetics. But then next week, uh, two other classes are starting. That's our Financial Peace class and our Psalms class. And so, uh, if you'd like to jump into any of those classes, you can still do that. You can just go to stonescrossing.com/discipleship and uh, sign up there. And if you have any questions about that, just reach out to us we'd love to love to help you to get connected into those classes this semester well you guys this last sunday pastor scott uh went into the second the second session of this of this series called living in the overflow Um, we're looking at throughout this whole series it's really a series on psalm 23 which is one of the most loved Psalms. Uh, I mean, people for centuries have loved the Psalm. What, what, what is it about this Psalm that people always love to just go back to? Why do people love it so much? Why is it so refreshing for them?
2: I think it's, I mean, what you get right here is a really nice picture of how good God is. Um, and mm-hmm. it's so it's sort of like a drink. It's just the sweet, um, nectar in the middle of the Bible. (laughs) Um, because it just, it just speaks so much of the, um, the care that God has for his, for his children.
1: Yeah. I I was reflecting just upon, you know, even the repetition, the, you know, the way it's written, you know, it's, it's such Mm -hmm. a beautiful poem that, you know, it's easy. It's easy to remind yourself. It's easy to pray. You know, and I think that's that's what I think the Psalms offer to us so often is like when we don't have the words to say something, you know, properly. Well, we can turn to the Psalms and they're there for us, <laughs> you know, and sometimes we yeah. need to vocalize yeah. those words. And And I even actually just last week, um, we, you know, we started to get baby gifts. And one of the gifts we got was a book on the 23rd Psalm. And I was like, it was just a very cool book Mm. about the character of god you know it's i think that's Mm -hmm. it's just it's like elementary stuff that we need to remind ourselves but it also is written in such a way that it can come to the forefront of your mind you know um and it's memorable and so yeah i think that's why so many of us are so drawn to it all the time
0: absolutely absolutely well as we get started let's go ahead and and uh read the psalm would one of you guys be up for reading that
1: i can read it so this is Psalm 23, um, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me into paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me.
0: Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. Amen. (laughs) So good. There's so much in here. And like you guys said, there's so much in here that reflects the character of God, His personality, our, um, and as Scott talked about even on Sunday, the security that we have in, in, with God as our shepherd. And, um, and what a, what a, um, just a joy that is to to come back to that assurance of just like wow God He really cares for us He really loves us He really wants our best um, and so coming back to that and especially in a time like this uh, where it doesn't it, it's like it's like the world is in chaos in a lot of ways and and so what a what a great Psalm to come back to to remind us of all those things one of the things that Scott said at the very beginning here he said he said you know we talked about worry um, and that worry. Is unbelief, worry is doubt, and worry is uh, ends up being functional atheism. Help us unpack that a little bit, because I mean, how is how is worry um, functional atheism? What does that mean?
1: Well, I, I wanted to spend time this morning thinking about this a little bit more, but instead I shoveled my driveway <laughs> because we got to get out. I was like, but this was the thought that was running through my mind as I was reflecting upon the sermon. Um, you know, emotions, um, natural responses to circumstances. Let's take let's take a raw emotion like anger. Um, anger, anger in itself isn't necessarily um, a bad trait. The problem is, what do we do with anger? And so I was, you know, and this may be a question even to kind of turn back to you guys. I was trying to kind of reflect: where is worry at on that spectrum? You know, is worry mm-hmm. is worry the response um, to an emotion? Or is worry the raw emotion. Um, Because to me, I think what Scott was really describing is when, you know, say we have a feeling of anxiousness or we have a feeling of fear or we have a feeling of um, frustration, we then tend to take that feeling and we kind of sit on it and we fret on it and it becomes worry, which then is almost a response Mm -hmm. to the circumstance that's happening in our life. And I think when we do that, Um, What we're saying functionally, which is kind of what Scott's talking about, which has been a real, um, we've been reading this book called Lead Together as a Staff. And I've been thinking about this a lot, just what is functional theology. And I think what we're saying is, is that when you're worrying, when you're sitting on these things, you're actively um, disbelieving that God is in control of the circumstance with your action. So I don't know about you guys, but I was kind of just thinking about what. You know, where is worry at on that spectrum of, you know, as emotions first being a response. And then I think if we can put it in the proper place or at least whatever we're talking about, then we'll recognize that like, oh, yeah, like this is when I'm doing this, I'm actively um, not believing that God is in control. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so you're kind of creating a distinction here between like when something happens in our life, a, a circumstance takes place, that we have a maybe an emotional response versus what do we choose to do mm-hmm. with that, right? You're making a distinction between those those two.
1: Yeah, yeah. Right? So like in the most obvious sense, this sounds awful. This is such, a, I don't know why this is the first thing on my mind, but um, did you guys hear an Uncle Bill's burnt down on the North side last night?
2: Yeah, yeah
1: super sad scenario so uncle bills burns down all these animals die. this is just you know so it elicits um an emotional response you know as something you know no matter how you care about animals it's just something that you think's awful well do i do i take those raw emotions of you know frustration anger sadness and i turn to say well why didn't they have the proper fire alarms in that uncle bills you know what I'm going to go straight down the street to our Uncle Bill's and I'm going to, you know, chew out the owner because he needs to have the proper fire alarms. You know, well, that's an anger situation. But the reality is my frustration, you know, my my fear, my concern, it's grounded in, in a response that is not it's human. You know, you're going to have those responses. I don't want to say that they're they're of God all the time, but but how we handle those responses is when it becomes a problem. And I think what we're seeing right now is that we're living a life of worry where this passage Mm -hmm. is really talking about, um, how to live a life without, with, with, without lack, you know, without, with everything, you know? And so I think, I think that's, that's kind of what I'm trying to position is like, what are these, what are we doing, um, in the ways that we're living our lives right now? And they probably say something about the way that we're responding to God. And, you know, if it's our anger, if it's our fear, if it's our frustration, if it's our worry, sometimes it's a reflection of your functional theology, which is just what do you think about God? And and so I I guess, though, I think it's important to kind of make sure we categorize what we're talking about as it relates to worry before Mm -hmm. we even say, like, don't do it, (laughs) you know?
0: yeah I think that's good. I mean, and ultimately it comes down to because then what, what Scott is really getting to is once we take it to that place of beyond the initial emotion, we're, now we're, work, we're out, now we're living in a space of maybe just constant worry that he called it he called it unbelief and doubt and functional atheism, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of a shocking statement in mm-hmm. a lot of ways because I mean the, 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 the thought that we could be Christians and yet function as an atheist.
2: I was just thinking about where where sin really like comes from. You know, I've been doing a lot of reading, um, and I just told you guys this morning. I'm reading about original sin, just what sin happened in the garden, and what sin continues to today. Seems to come out of this idea that God is holding out on us, uh-huh. and we have to go after what we truly need and want. And yeah. um, and I think that worry is kind of the fallout from that. That theology, that thought that God is actually holding out on us, and that we have to mm-hmm. muster up all these things for ourselves,
0: C- try um, to get it for ourselves. Exactly,
2: yeah. That we have to go out and grab it, and um, and so you know, if I'm thinking of of that being the underlying tone that that God is truly not going to come through for me in in these situations, if that's always in the back of my mind, whether it's conscious or not, that's absolutely going to be the way that I function. Um, it's going to come out and in the way that I do things, even without knowing it, um, I'll find myself, you know, wrestling with, with worry, um, because I think that this is not going to come out well for me and that I need yeah. to be the one to, uh, to fix it and make sure that it, it does.
0: Now, what's interesting about this verse, verse one is kind of the focus of what Scott was talking about. And and when you look at the, the Hebrew translation uh, the, or the Hebrew uh, original, um, the 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 passage could be literally translated. It says, the Lord is my shepherd or Yahweh my shepherd. Um, and that second phrase um, it, in the English translation, it says, I shall not want it, but it could also be translated, I lack nothing. Mm-hmm. I lack nothing. Um. So let's unpack that just a little bit. Like when we have Christ, why can the Christian say, "I lack nothing"?
2: There's a whole new um, There's a whole new level of provision that once you're uh, united with Christ, you get to to experience. And um, I think that it's I think that it's looking beyond the circumstance of this world. Into eternity, and that's just something that um, if you don't believe that eternity is real, there's nothing there but but what we have in front of us and what we can see and what we can touch. Um, and so, you know, what what difference in worldview there is is so big and so vast that we as as Christ followers can take our our eyes off of the um, the world around us and know that we lack nothing because everything we truly need will be fulfilled.
1: Yeah. I've been sitting a lot in um, Philippians chapter one and chapter two and, you know, Paul's talking about his imprisonment and, and, you know, he says to live, to live as Christ and to die as gain. And and we've used that Mm -hmm. verse to say a lot of things, but, but really what Paul is saying is that he desires nothing more in this life or in the life to come than union with Christ. Um, I keep trying to come up with this word in my mind and you guys probably know what it is. and I can't think of it, but it's like supreme something, but think supreme, think ultimate, think the utmost important thing in your life. And Paul is saying that his union with Christ is that, you know, that, yeah. that it is that thing yeah. that everything else pales into comparison. And and so now the outworking of that, you know, once you have that union with Christ is total peace in the circumstances of this life. And that's something that, you know, Ariel, as I was listening to you earlier and you were talking about sin, I thought it was spot on. But it's like we're always, we're always at risk, you know, even as we're growing in Christ likeness of turning to our spirit or turning to our flesh. And, and I think as you're describing, you know, our tendency is just to, you know, dive into these things to seek our own control, to have, you know, to worry more because we think it's going to help us to think that we have control of it. But what I think Paul's describing is that, look, in this life or the life to come, the union with Christ is the supreme, the most important thing in my life. It is ultimate. And that is what I rest in. And so I think what you're saying, Chris, this idea of, you know, being able to live a life without worry, a life without lack, is completely founded on the relationship that we have with God.
2: Mitch, I appreciate you saying that because um, it does seem like a lot of our sin comes from this root of discontentment that Christ truly isn't enough for us. And, And maybe just a misunderstanding of what that would be like to have him be our portion, like just him. Uh, and so that we're like chasing after these things that that are they're pretty much idols um, that we've placed above God because we think that our fulfillment comes from those things and and I think that also contributes to us getting in our, ourselves into worry because we're not able to attain those things on our own.
1: Absolutely, and I think I think it's I was just even another outworking of that I think is you know some people. Because we feel like we have control, you know, over so many things in our lives that we feel like even to shift our eyes off of the things we have control on, control of to Christ is a risk. And, you know, that if we were to shift our focus, then we would actually lose control. And it's like there's just nothing that's farther from from being true. You know, and and if you really ask yourself, just even say in your flesh, what is the desires that you want? Like, let's move away from the spiritual side. You want peace. You want security. Well, those things are only offered in Christ. And I think, you know, I mentioned this briefly last year, last week, but, you know, like we look at what's going on in the world with like the stock market, things that we just assumed, you know, have a system to them. Well, we just watched it be wrecked. By GameStop, you know we've watched it be just completely changed by cryptocurrency. These things that we think they're so secure, you know, as Scott was talking about social security, you know, we 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 hang our hat on these things rather than leaning in and trusting the God of the universe. And we're even nervous that if we shift our focus, that what we'll lose, we'll lose control. But what will really happen is that we'll realize that all of those things never were providing control, anyways, and that God's the only control. Mm-hmm. And so that's. You know, I think that's what we're yeah. trying to grow in, practically speaking.
0: That's why Scott, I think, said what he said there, where he said, "You know, if you're putting your security in something, that it needs to be in something that we can't lose or ever be taken away. Yeah, yeah. To, to do, to do, to do anything less than that would be foolishness. It would be, it would be um, ultimately harmful to us and risky for us. But the best thing that we can do is put it into something that can never be taken away. And that's why the love of God is so." Um, is 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 so intricately bound to his character, to where he will not forsake us. Um, that he is that good shepherd that does not let us uh, leave us uh, alone or or ever desert us. You know. Um, let's talk about for a second the personality of the shepherd. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Scott first talked about the security, and then he talked about the personality of the shepherd. How God, the shepherd how he truly cares for us. And he went back to first Peter five, seven, which says that straight out.
2: I am um, amazed at how many times has said comes up. You know what I mean? And if Mm -hmm. you, if you drop down to verse six, um, where the, where David says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me has said is, is that word in there for mercy. All the days of my life, um, and I think that's kind of the heart or the character of, of God in this this whole psalm, and we're just seeing it in each yeah. verse, each line.
0: Ariel, take a take a minute. Can, can you just unpack that word "has said"? The Hebrew word there. What what does that mean, and how does it relate to God and His and His love for us?
2: Yeah, I'll try to. Um, I've seen it translated "loyal love." Um, and so it's a mm-hmm. loyalty where God has, um, pretty much promised that he, um, will not forsake and not, not switch it up. It's not a bait and switch. Um, it's a, it's a loyalty and, um, it's even translated joint obligation, um, where really it's his obligation that he's upholding, um, where he's, he's promising to be faithful and good. All in this one word has said, um, and that's that's the the heart of his character right there, um, that he is um, he is full of loyal love that um, that can be counted on. It's unshifting. It's imperishable.
0: What, to take it even a step further, further, what's interesting in Hebrew is sometimes they they are they will take a word like like hesed, which is. Uh, and the noun form of it. And then we'll use it more of as like an adjective form. Uh, and and it sounds very similar. It just changes the vowels a little bit. So then it's changed from hesed to hasid. And when it's hasid, then it's actually talking about the object of God's loyal love. Yeah. And that is always talking about his people. It's yeah. always talking about his people. And it's so neat when you read some of those passages in the old Testament where it, it usually in the ESV, it's translated as the saints, um, but those that word is 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 specifically meant to convey this idea that God's loyal love is placed upon a particular people and and that he will never remove it from them and 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 so it's so there's such an assurance there of like wow, like to be counted among the saints to be counted as a child of Abraham as Paul says right that we're included in that promise um, and that we are, the has, the Hasid that God's loyal love rests upon, um, I think, is just beautiful when we get to that in the in those passages. Mm-hmm. Well, Scott continued to talk about how worry ends up actually being foolishness, and he jumped over to Matthew chapter six to mm-hmm. illustrate this, which was interesting because um, I think we we just. Preached on like we just preached on this recently, if I remember right, I think we talked about this fairly recently. But Matthew chapter six is the story where um, uh, where Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, and and in that teaching, he says to not be anxious about anything because of how much the Father cares for us and cares for uh, not only his creation but he cares for people. Um, why is the difference here between all the animals and the plants and the flowers and stuff? Between that and then humanity, um, why is that such a big deal for Jesus's argument here about not worrying?
2: Well, I think when when Jesus talks about this, it, it's so interesting that Scott pulled out the fact that he's speaking to humanity as um, as imperishable recipients, um, mm-hmm. and so he uses all of these examples of the way that um, the Father cares for things that are perishable, like it even talks about, you know, the, the flowers of the field, the, the lilies of the field, and, and then they're um, thrown into the furnace. You know, they, these are things that are not going to last, but God still cares for them. Um, and I just really appreciated how Scott pulled out the fact that humanity is, is everlasting. Um, and how much more would will our Heavenly Father care for us because we are, um, we are eternal beings?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've talked about this before, but and Ariel, you're you're the current resident expert, so you might even be able to get more clarity on this. But um <laughs> Well, just just talking about human identity and the idea, you know, again, there's there's these angelic beings, as you were saying, just to break it down, these spiritual beings that you know exist, you know, before humanity, and then God creates the animals, and so we're this kind of unique being that's you know a spiritual being with air, animalistic desires that has a unique mm-hmm. relationship with God on this earth. But we have a union with him that these animals don't. They're not spiritual beings. And so and,
0: and I think we could even take it further and say there's also the imago Dei piece. Oh, like yes, that as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's what that's yeah. what I'm drawing so, so, from
1: that passage, but I'm not not describing it, but yeah, for sure. And I and yeah. I would just say so we have this relationship with God that is unique to us while we're here on this earth. And so that is what, you know, the passage is drawing from in Matthew is that, you know, why would God not care for you? If you can look at creation and see that he has things in control, that he has things in order. You Mm -hmm. look around you and you, it should be a Testament to how great God is, you know, and that God is in control of things. And I, I think sometimes, again, in our world where things get more digital, things get more man made, they get more created, uh, more, more, hu- you know, created by human hands. It's harder sometimes to just be aware of those obvious things, you know, like I was, mm, I was yeah. looking outside the window yesterday and I was reflecting on, there was a Robin out by my bird feeder. So <laughs> I'm a bird feeder guy. Probably didn't know that new, new, new announcement. I didn't know that. <laughs> I think bird feeders are sweet. So there's a Robin out by my bird feeder and I'm just reflecting. I'm like, this Robin is here. You know, I feel like he's not supposed to be here, but due to the orders of things, due to the way that God created him, he's here right now and he appears to be fine. You know? And so, and, and, and we, you know, we build these structures where for me, it's like, I'm struggling with, you know, to keep my, keep my furnace right now. Um, I have a water, I, um, what is it like a, a, a whole home humidifier that's kind of struggling to work right now. And it's like a man-made thing that I rely upon versus the creation. It's a small example, but what we see is that, you know, God has all things tightly knit together within creation, but sometimes we get so bound by relying even on our own human things, you know, that it's harder Mm -hmm. for us to reflect in such a way that we can just see that God seems to have it knit together. You know, we have to remind ourselves of that.
0: It's so, it's so important because I think all of that stuff, it it constantly is a reminder to us of our dependency, Mm -hmm. right? So, so we, even though we may not think that we are dependent on things, we think that we're being independent, but at the end of the day, we're very dependent. Mm -hmm. Um, And, 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 and really what we have to recognize is that our dependency, as, as we place it on these other things, um, those other things are ultimately going to fail us, but then placing it in Christ is, is really the only place that we can safely put that dependency because Christ will never fail us. Um, and, and because all I mean, really it comes back to his character. He is the only thing, the only one who is not dependent on anything. Mm-hmm. Um, he exists eternally, perfectly within himself, uh, with all joy and happiness and, 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 uh, and greatness and power and glory. He exists within all of that by himself. He needs nothing to have that. And so we need then him to be the very source of our, uh, of everything that we need that like we, we run to him. He's the fountain of everything that we need and we can trust in him for that.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, it makes me remember uh, Psalm 8, 5 that, uh, well, in Psalm eight is really just a, a glorification to God and, and um, thanking Him that He would be mindful of us and that He would give us dominion over the works of His hands because it's all His mm-hmm. and uh, and that He has put all things under um, man's feet to care for. And and when, right. you, when you brought up you know Imago Dei, there's just so much there that um, if we truly sat in and, and thought about it the the position the lord has given us as humans it is just
1: mm-hmm. is
2: so undeserved and he is so mm-hmm. faithful um and i just love that that this sermon this week um kind of brought it all together for us so that we could see the heart of god about that
0: and Saul Mate actually was part of the the Sunday prep reading for this, oh, for this last week. So.
1: Yeah, yeah, shout out to so. the Sunday prep. We need a Sunday prep alarm.
0: <laughs> the Sunday prep.
2: <laughs> I know, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, totally. Yeah, if you don't know what that is. um, every week you can go onto the website or onto the church app and you can see these passages that you can read uh, Monday through Friday that lead up to the coming sermon and and they're kind of designed just to help to prepare us for worship on Sunday. So, um, so check that out. If you haven't done that already, check it out this week. Well, um, as we close today, uh, Scott really ended with this idea of freedom that, that as we put our trust in the Lord and our faith in Christ, um, that that there is a freedom that is gained um, as we as we do that, and this freedom is maybe different than another type of freedom that we might think of because because we're still talking about dependency mm-hmm. on him. And so sometimes when we think of freedom, we think independent, we think we're autonomous mm-hmm. type of a type of a freedom. It's a different kind of freedom. Help us to unpack what that what that is then. What is this freedom that then we have as we are depending then on Christ?
1: Yeah, I think it's that eternal perspective. It's that union with Christ um, that we've been referencing. Scott Scott said this this week or last week, but he said, you know, if, if you're in Christ, you have nothing to worry about. And then he just juxtaposed that to, you know, if but if you're outside of Christ, you have everything to worry about. And, everything, and I yeah. think, I, so, so. I think it would be fair to say that in our flesh in our bodies, that worry is natural, but in Christ um, we're offered a peace that's, that succumbs that worry. And so, so what I mean by that is that we shouldn't be surprised that our world is tremendously filled with worry and fear. Um, But the reality is that we have a peace that's offered in Christ, not only for the world, but for ourselves as we're going through these circumstances that cause us to worry. And so I imagine almost everybody that's listening to this, you know, is a believer. It's a part of our church. We don't really promote this outside of our church. But, But I think that's the worldview that we need to have, that we need to not be shocked, you know, when everybody around is worried because their hope really is in the circumstances of this world. Um, I also think that's one of our great testimony, you know, testimonies for the gospel in this season is that we can have um, a peace and a union with Christ in spite of our present circumstances. Um, and so I think it's, it's reminding ourselves of that, as Scott said, you know, daily, you know, reflecting upon the goodness of God, you know, re- creating space for that in our life. And then recognizing um, that when those, you know, outside of the church are struggling with things, well, you've got a message for them. Um, And I think, I think, you know, while on Sunday, we're going to focus on the opportunity to kind of receive that message. I think in this context, it's important to focus on what is the worldview that we operate with that we can offer to the people that we're with every day. You know, when somebody is fearful, how can you offer peace, you know, for them? Um, Not a fake modeling of it, not ignoring their difficult circumstances, but really showing them that there's an eternal hope in spite of um, whatever circumstance you or they may be going through.
0: Yeah, that's really tough too. Because sometimes doing that lovingly mm-hmm. um, and, and or gently is not uh, the easiest thing to do. Um, just let's just take a minute and and dig into that just a little bit. What might what might that look like to to really lovingly help people to to see that? Like like, hey, you know, you don't have to worry. Um, you know, so I mean, let's take a really practical example. People are worried about um politics right now people are worried about um uh coronavirus um what do we do with that how do you help how do you help people to maybe let go of some of that worry and trust Mm -hmm. the lord within the midst of it and i mean they seem like legitimate things that we should be worried about Mm uh (laughs) you know so so what does that look like
2: I think you're right, Chris. I think they, they truly are legitimate things to worry about. And I think that it's right. okay to lean into that for a second and say, you know, that if this is all there is, we should be very worried. Um, mm-hmm. But the good news is that this isn't all there is. And uh, and then give them the hope of the gospel. Give them the hope of eternity that is imperishable. Um, because, you know, the same thing whenever, whenever someone passes away. It's so hard to know what to say. Mm-hmm. Um, we struggle with words all the time. Um, if you've ever been to a funeral, it's so hard to know. What do I say to this person to encourage them? Because we always feel like we need to, right? Um, but really, sometimes it's okay to just sit in the, this is not supposed to be this way. Death was not supposed mm-hmm. to be the answer or the end. Um, and, and for us to pretend that these things aren't happening and that they don't carry weight in the lives of unbelievers... Would be ridiculous, and so Mm -hmm. um, I think it's I think it's absolutely okay to lean into those things, and then offer the hope that comes from Christ.
0: Mm. And 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 I do want to be clear too. I mean, I I I think there's a these are sensitive issues. Like I think there's a delicate balance with a lot of this stuff. I mean, um, I know people that are on. Let's just take the coronavirus and masking issue. I know I know people who are on one side of it saying, no, we need to mask for everything and double mask and, and make sure that we're staying home as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I know people on the other side of it that are like, I'm never going to wear a mask. I'm going to go out and do what I want to do, you know? And I know people in both camps who I would say are wonderful, faithful Christians, you know? And so it, it's just, it's such an interesting dynamic, but, but at the heart of it is it's, I don't think it's a question of whether you mask or not mask. I think it's a question of, are, is your heart worried? Yeah. Um, are you, are, are you, are at the core of your being, are you trusting the Lord or, uh, or are you trusting in, in man and, um, and our own, um, our own devices to try to protect ourselves and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, I, so I don't think, I don't think masking or vaccinations or anything, that's not the issue. The issue is what's going on in your heart. Um, yeah. is that, yeah, I would say, I, would say Am I, no, Chris, right? I mean, I
1: mean, practically <laughs> speaking, it's, it's as I was thinking about it, I think, you know, we, we, I don't know if it's because we've, we're prideful. Um, I don't know if it's cause we're still dealing with sin in our lives, but I think we have a hard time at, at even being willing to analyze our own actions because we want to make sure that we just feel mm-hmm. like they're right and justified. And I think no matter who you are, um, you should be able to ask yourself the question: um, What is behind my actions? What motivated me to do this decision? And I think um, right. because we're still wrestling with sin and flesh, you're going to find more often than not that no matter what decision you're making, there's a fleshly component to it, and then there's a seeking God component to it. And I think our goal is to try to, you know, repent and you know remove um, as best we can that fleshly component, at least for our next decision. So it's like, we need to be able to look back at yeah. all of the decisions in our life and say, why did I do this? It's a lot easier 10 years you know, ago to reflect on that than it is now, probably because our pride and it feels less personal. I was listening to a pastor last night that was talking about when he went to start um, a church that part of his motivation was that he just felt like he was just so much smarter than everybody else in the room. And, and he's like, but at the point okay. in time, he would have never recognized that. And and he said, you know what he did also didn't recognize from the other side that he didn't deeply love those people um, that he was with in his body. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, what a good honest reflection of two sides. You know, he felt gifted; that's a good reason to maybe go do something. And on the other side, you know, he recognized that actually, I just didn't care deep enough for them, or it would have been harder for me to go. I think we need to kind mm-hmm. of walk that discernment process with all of our decisions going forward, the current situations we're in, and say, you know, okay. Why do am I so fired up about this issue? You know, why am I drawn to watching this, you know, on TV? Um, Why am I drawn to encourage my kids to do this thing? You know, why am I drawn myself, you know, to go make this decision? And that can go into every area of your life. And I think once you start to answer those things, if we're really honest with ourselves, even if we're not honest with whoever we're going to talk to about it, what I recognize time and time again is that while there might be a healthy component to it, there's always at least a small component of it that I'm making this decision out of my flesh. And I need to make sure that I try to rid myself of that time and time again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, mm. and I think that's, that's what you're describing is that, that we have to be willing to say that our decisions that we're making, um, that we're trying to even discern God in, that the enemy can you know, use those things against us, but also that just in our flesh, we're going to be drawn towards uh, making other things the idols of our heart and i think if we're unwilling to analyze that then we're we're in real danger <laughs> you know and so i think we got to yeah. we got to walk that process over and over and over again with small decisions and big decisions and try to submit ourselves before god and i pray that over time that god will grow me in christ likeness
0: yeah i mean this is what faith is faith is faith is where we are intentionally looking away from ourselves towards the person and work of christ and, and as we do that, as we, cause, and, and that's, and that's why, that's why faith is not a, uh, a work that we do. It's actually a, a, a surrendering of our works. <laughs> it's a, it's a surrendering yeah. of, of our abilities and our dependency on ourselves to look to the one who actually can help us. Yeah. And, and, uh, and so it's, it's looking to him and him alone as we close today. Um, I, I, can I read a, an old prayer? Yeah, is that all right? it. Can we do that? <laughs> this is just a short old prayer. Uh, this is from the time of the Puritans, and uh, it's on Psalm 23. And, and as, as I read this, and you can pray along with us um, as you hear this, but listen to the words of this, how it encapsulates the, the, the psalm itself, um, the, 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 the thrust of the psalm and what we've been, been talking about here. He writes, "'Eternal and ever, everlasting Father.'" fountain of all felicity we render thee praise and thanks that thou hast made known to us our pastor and defender and pastor here means shepherd so our shepherd and defender who will deliver us from the power of our adversaries grant unto us that we casting away all fear and terror of death may embrace and confess thy truth which it has pleased thee to reveal to us by thy son, our Lord and sovereign master, Christ Jesus. Amen. And I just love, I love the part where he says there at the end that it's like, would you grant to us that, that we, um, as we cast away all fear and terror of death, that we would embrace and confess your truth. Um, that's what I think that's what we hope for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what we hope for our church. Well, thanks so much for joining us today on the Sunday recap. Uh, next week, uh, Pastor Scott's going to be closing out this part of the Psalm 23 series, Living in the Overflow. Um, Mitch, maybe uh, just explain to our listeners really quick, what's the plan with this? Uh, how is Scott, Scott's going to like break this up over some Yeah, some weeks so or, I,
1: I, I'm going to give the same answer I gave last week, which wasn't, wasn't <laughs> probably didn't suffice then and maybe won't now. But so we've got this week and then we've got one more week. Then I believe we'll come back yeah. to the series in June. And then we will come back to it at some point in the fall, which I probably should have told you exactly when that was, but I don't remember when. So the, yeah, yeah it's so it'll be yeah. broken up over in three three weeks, a time over the over the year. That's
0: cool. Because then we'll, we'll just keep coming back to this Psalm to just remind mm-hmm. us of, of all these things that we're talking about. So um, yeah, so good. Well, thanks so much, you guys. Stay warm out there. We hope that you'll join us next time on the Sunday Recap. We'll see you then.